and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover, and this is episode number 43, Finding Happiness Outside of the Classroom. This is going to be a good episode, and it's super timely for back to school and getting your mindset right to make sure you make it to the end of the school year this year. I have to tell you guys, I'm finally getting back to normal after the whirlwind of the teacher summer conference in which we had 11,500 teachers register. It was insane, amazing, tons of energy. I'm still getting emails weeks later from teachers around the world that say that the conference had major impact on them. I'm hearing from teachers that are 66 years old that learn something new that they're going to take back to their classroom after all these years of teaching. I'm hearing from pre-service teachers and new teachers who are saying, thank you for this resource that I can continue to go to, to help me when I have questions or I need help or I need support. Speaking of support, the membership site launched and I'm overwhelmed by the group we have. We doubled our goal of the number of members in this site. I'm actually getting ready to launch our membership Facebook group. We have so much going on in the membership site. This month was back to school and teachers received $46 worth of digital products that uh, teacher authors donated to the membership site. We have some new videos and tutorials in there. We have a reflection activity. It's a great month and looking towards September, we're going to talk about healthy boundaries and building boundaries. Ooh, I'm excited for that one. So anyway, just wanted to let you know the membership site is up and running. It's $10 a month which is less than a Costco membership, someone said to me the other day. Also, we have a special going. If you purchase a year membership, you get 20 bucks off, so it's $100 for the year. Many teachers are asking their principals to reimburse them, and they're getting the answer of, yes, we will reimburse you for this professional development. So anyway, if you're interested, hop on over to educators2educators.com. If you can't do it right now, totally understand. We'll miss you, but uh, we look forward to our monthly webinars that we kicked off this month, free webinars, and also uh, the New Year Reboot, which will be here before we know it. All right, so let's talk about today. We're going to talk about how do you find happiness outside of the classroom to help you stay happy in the classroom. So thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Today on Educators to Educators, we have a very special guest, Jean Waltz. Jean is going to talk to us about her experience in the education world and how she came to the point where she is dreaming big and going for it as a form of self-care. Jean was a middle school teacher. She taught writing for four years and then served as her department chair for almost three years. And she decided to take a break from teaching and follow a long-term dream of hers, to move and live abroad. While living in France and traveling Europe between 2017 and 2019, she created and worked full-time on her brand, Teacher Off-Duty, which focuses on helping teachers teach better and live happier. She now focuses primarily on coaching new teachers with her blog, online courses, and new teacher mastermind, all of which is fully remote and location independent. She's passionate about giving teachers the resources they need to rock their teaching 
as well as encouraging teachers to dream big and live full lives. No matter if you're a first-year teacher or a 30-year veteran, teaching shouldn't have to be miserable in Jean's eyes. I am so excited to have Jean on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much. Well, you are living out a big dream that I have a feeling a lot of listeners are pretty envious of right now. <laughs> um, and I'm, I just really am so glad to have you here today because I do think it's important, especially this time of year, right? Teachers are, are leading into their summer breaks. Um, and it's really important for us to pause and think about our own happiness mm. and our own mindset. Um, and so thanks for being here. And I would love for you to just kind of tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to the point where you made this big leap for yourself. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I taught for four years. Um, and during those four years, I, let's put it this way. When I started student teaching, I pretty regularly would work from 4am to about midnight every single day. I remember one time I got up at three in the morning to work and I was like, I can't do this. Four is my cutoff. And <laughs> my first year teaching got a little bit better. I was maybe working like 12 to 14 hours every day. Um, and, and so I just, I hit the ground running when I started teaching and I was just kind of full throttle. Um, that was rewarding in term, like professionally for the first couple years. I, was recognized. My administrators told me at the end of my first year that they didn't like, they wouldn't have guessed that I was a first year teacher, which of course like felt good. My second year teaching, I ended up um, winning this award called the Outstanding Beginning Teacher Award by the Illinois Council or Illinois Association for Colleges of Teacher Education. Um, and then I was also named the department chair that year, like <laughs> during my second year teaching. Yeah. It's <laughs> a big year for a second teacher. Uh, yeah, it was just as overwhelming as it sounds. Like, it was insane. Um, and so, inevitably, by the end of my second year, I was burnt out. Like, hardcore burnt out. Um, I still loved teaching. Teaching is my biggest passion of my life. It makes me so happy. But, I mean, I was, I was going too hard. And so um, I started doing a lot more self-work. Um, I actually enrolled in the 40-hour work week course um, by Angela Watson, which I loved, loved, loved. Um, but I started realizing as I was taking care of myself and focusing on myself a little bit more that um, decreasing my work was not enough for me to be happy. Like I could decrease my workload. I could set up boundaries. That was good. It helped me. Um, but if I didn't have anything meaningful to add that to that time, my happiness kind of just stayed at the same level. So that was my first biggest lesson on self-care. It was, it's not enough to just decrease your workload in order to increase your happiness. You also have to fill your time with something meaningful and something that gives you joy. And usually something that's not related to teaching, so you have a little bit of balance. So that was like lesson number one. Um, and then, so I had had this lifelong dream of living abroad. And so it was right around this time between my second and my third year teaching that my husband and I started kind of scheming about that. And 
the more like it was it was really fun because I hadn't told anybody like maybe some friends and family but they didn't really believe us yeah <laughs> but I hadn't told anyone at school so it was kind of like living this double life <laughs> like I'd teach and then I'd go home and on Saturdays we would just like sit down and plan out what we wanted like our ideal life to look like and where we would go and all these things and so and that I noticed in myself this like transformation. So just planning and taking steps towards like dreaming really big, like these things that other people are like, that's impossible. I can't do that. Was so validating. It was, it was so meaningful. And so, and that really filled me up. It gave me energy. Um, it started really combating that burnout. Um, and so that I would say is like lesson number two that I learned is saying yes to like really big dreams. And I would say the bigger, the better. So let me really stop important. there. So, yeah. you know, before we go any further, cause we're getting into some really great conversation here, we're going to um, get back here on E2E to focusing on kind of three top subtopics within our topic. So mm-hmm. today we're, we are talking about this, like dreaming big and, and going for it as a form of self-care. So the first area we're talking about is like decreasing your work is just as important as filling it up with other meaningful things. So we're going to deep dive a little bit more into that. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about saying yes to yourself and mm-hmm. what that looks like and how that can be life-changing. And then we're going to talk about like thinking big. I love how you said this. Think big, start small, be consistent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Talking about decreasing your work um, as, is being most important of what... So if you decrease what you fill that time up with is a super important decision. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you were able to do that and how other, how other teachers can do that? Yeah. So this was actually originally inspired by, I read a book called the four hour work week It is four hour. It's not 40, <laughs> four hour yeah. work week by Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. Um, and that book is really extreme. <laughs> uh, I definitely don't describe to everything in that book, but a lot of it was like mind blowing to me. And one of the things he talked about was this, what happens when you start decreasing your workload, especially if you do it significantly, is you kind of feel this vacuum in your life. Um, and so I, as I was decreasing my workload, I, I started realizing that. And so, I mean, I would say like my first steps to doing it were setting work boundaries. So it was like, no matter what, I will not work after 6 p.m. on any given weeknight. No matter what, I will not work on Saturdays. No matter what, I will not work more than two hours on Sundays. And those windows just started getting smaller and smaller. Um, And then the other fascinating thing was when I started grad school, and this really drove this home to me, when I started grad school, all of a sudden, like I had to leave work by like, I don't know, 3.45 in order to get to my class. And, and all of a sudden I could do that. Like but previously I would work until 6 PM every night and I felt like I had to. And then I went to grad school and I was like, I don't have time for this and everything's fine even if I don't. And so I wouldn't say grad school was, I mean, it was, I loved learning, but it wasn't exactly relaxing and rejuvenating. Uh, (laughs) Um, But I would say like first step in terms of adding meaningful things is to make a list of things that make you happy. Like even if it's just hanging out with friends 
or in my second year teaching, I literally Googled hobbies. Like I was, I like had no life and I was like, I don't even have any hobbies. I don't know what hobby to do. And so I Googled it and I picked crocheting. So uh, that weekend I went to the store, I got my needle and some thread or, you know, some yarn and I like YouTubed how to do it. And I taught myself how to crochet. I'm like that week. And that's what I did every night that week. And it was so relaxing. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I need some other stuff in my life even if it's just crocheting like a piece of yarn you know what I mean (laughs) you know it made me think back to my first year of teaching way back in 2000 gosh was it when did I like 2004 somewhere in there yeah um and I remember my first year there was a veteran teacher across the hall Maria and she Mm -hmm. was amazing I I really loved having her across the hall for me but I remember her one day being like what, what are you doing here until like five Mm o'clock? And I was like, listen, I don't like to take anything home with me. Yeah. Like I, I, I was a little older because I was a career changer and I feel like I had a little bit more wisdom under my belt about Mm. life. And I was planning a wedding. I was getting married, um, the summer after my first year of teaching. And like, I just did not want to bring work home. Yep. And but you're right. It does create a vacuum. But I was like, I would rather stay here till five, like yep. for an hour and a half and have everything buttoned up and ready for the next day and go home and not think about school. Yep. Um, and it's funny when you're thinking about that, like I, my husband was traveling internationally a lot for work at the time. So I was kind of by myself mm-hmm. at home. Like, I would get home five thirty, eat dinner. And then I would have three or four hours of time, you know, I could right. work out or whatever, but I started scrapbooking. I'm like, this is back. That's awesome. (laughs) I would, I would come home. I would race home. Sometimes I would still leave right after school. Like if I didn't have anything and I would literally set up a table with all my scrapbooking stuff, make myself a margarita Mm -hmm. (laughs) all night. And it was so amazing. And I felt so rejuvenated and I would actually take my scrapbooks to my class and show them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Even if you don't know exactly what your passion is, like mm-hmm. you'll find it, but if you're avoiding it, you're going to fill it up with, you know, work that I don't know necessarily is going to make that much of an impact on your students. I, I really realized how bad it was for me when I sat down and a mentor just asked me, I was a particularly like down moment for me. And a mentor told me like, make a list of all the things that you did today that gave you joy. And literally the only thing I could put on that list was taking a hot shower. That was it. Like everything else was draining or stressful or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I, I really need to change. Like I need to do something different because of course, like no wonder I'm so unhappy. Like it's not a mystery to me anymore. And yeah, so I eventually, I also added blogging to my list, which led to my business now. Um, which I was really passionate about. Um, And then I also added, you know, like researching moving abroad and learning languages. And so the more that I pursued things that interest me, the richer my life became and the more doors that opened up. But I had to give myself permission first to carve that space for myself because as teachers, (laughs) we are just the masters of making excuses for why we can't take care of ourselves because our job is limitless. Like you literally could spend limitless time. So the only person that's going to put that limit on it is you. And so I would say start with boundaries first and 
adding something to your life, a pottery class, like playing a board game with your husband, like all those things that you previously were like, I only am allowed to do that on weekends. Be crazy and do it during the week and see, okay. see how it goes. I, I have to interrupt you here because I, I have had an epiphany at the age of 41 about this. Okay. Okay. So I think one of the things you can do is Google hobbies, just like you did. <laughs> do it. No but shame. I don't think you should brainstorm a list of the things you loved doing as a kid. Yeah. And think about the things that you did that you quit. So for mm. me, I have a music degree in my undergrad, which a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. And my son, you know, he's in fifth grade. So they recently started band and he started playing an instrument. And I got my instrument back out and was playing with him because he chose the saxophone and that's what I played. Yeah. And I picked it back up. It was crazy. I mean, I did have a college degree in this, so you would think I could do it. But <laughs> I picked it back up and it was really fun. And then I took a hip hop class at my daughter's dance studio. So when she went to ballet, I took an adult hip hop class. That's awesome. And then mowing the lawn again. I know that sounds so weird. My husband's super busy. He's a coach. He doesn't mm-hmm. have time right now to do it. I want to start mowing the lawn. I used to love doing that when I was a kid. And so if you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't really know what my hobbies could be, go back to your childhood and be like, what did I like doing as a kid? Because it is crazy what it brings back in your life. Yeah. The kind of joy it brings back. That's a great, that's a great idea. I love that too. Thanks. So sorry to interrupt you. So now I want you to tell me about kind of this, like saying yes to yourself and you know, how you can start to make this transformation, which is part of this, these hobbies, but let's talk a little bit more about your like real dreams. Yeah. So I would say also, I mean, I had always, like I had told my husband when we were dating, he wanted to go, he, he wanted to pursue a PhD out of college. And I had always planned on, we started dating in college. I had always planned on moving abroad. So I was like, all right, if we stay together, you can get a PhD, but we have to move abroad once you're done. So this had like always kind of been in the cards. Um, and so I, it was kind of inspired a little bit too about, Um, from the four-hour work week and thinking about really shooting for the stars and dreaming big because he talks a lot about how, like, people think a lot of things are impossible, um, and so they don't go for it. So the people that actually go for it, there's very little competition. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I loved that that kind of idea. It was like, oh, I never really thought of it that way. So, um, and the other thing I think that really helped me with this was I just adore the way that my husband thinks about dreams. Like I was kind of brought up and always thought of like, like, Oh, that's really lofty. We need to be realistic. But my husband always says, well, like, let's sit down, take an hour and write out what the ideal would look like. And then a bunch of ways that we might be able to get there. Like what would we have to do? I do too. (laughs) So that's what we did. It was like, where would we ideally go? Originally, we wanted to go somewhere Spanish speaking. Um, Okay, I'm going on a tangent about how we plan moving abroad. But the point is, we sat down and we dreamed big. And then we just started writing down like how we might do that. Um, And that was just, that was so validating. And that lesson, that life lesson for me is what led me to launch my business and believe that I might be able to design a lifestyle that works for me, that works better for me, that gives me joy, that fills me up. Um, 
And originally my plan and my dream was to build my business off of passive income so that ideally I wouldn't even have to show up for work on any given day, Um, which was great. I'm glad I did that, but I did eventually realize that I need some like in-person contact. It's a big change to go from interacting with like 200 humans every day to just your computer. (laughs) I could not, I mean, you and I live very similar lives. Like it's, it's funny to be sorry. I can so, so relate to that. It is a big change, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, when I speak on panels or speak with groups, one of the things I always say is number one, how important relationships are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, even though you are kind of now in a vacuum by yourself. And I, I always say this, like, if you're teaching right now, like make sure you're building really strong relationships, Mm -hmm. but also if you're dreaming big, you're going to start to learn the people who are like the naysayers that are going to tell you every reason why you shouldn't dream big. Yep. And if I listen, I don't have a lot of those people. Mm -hmm. One of the key things I did was identify who those people were and kind of put them in their own compartment in my life. Recognizing if, if you're hearing people giving you the same advice of maybe to tweak your dream, that's one thing, but you are going to find people who are going to say, eh, you know, <coughs> no. and yep. like, do not listen to those people, Mm-mm. like tweak your dream. But if you have that person, just kind of compartmentalize them and realize that's who they are. That's what yep. they are in your life, you know? Yeah. And, and more, and what I tell myself, and I think this is true, it's more a reflection on what they tell themselves they're allowed to do. So if yeah. they, you're talking about this thing that they would love to do too, but they sincerely believe that they couldn't do it. That's, that's the place they're coming from. People talk to you from their own lens. So it's not about you. <laughs> well, and if, if, if you told me a year ago that educators to educators, which started with this podcast was going to build and put on a conference, which in which seven or 10,000 teachers sign up for, mm-hmm. I would have maybe even just like naysaying myself. I would have been like, that's what? not going to happen. <laughs> if you listen to those people, it is actually, you're so right about them and their fears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the cool thing that happens, and this has happened to me. So I would, you know, imagine myself, what was this? Like three years ago, I was like, I was still teaching and I was like, I'm going to quit my teaching job and I'm going to move to France and I'm just going to work on the internet and like sell curriculum and make courses and help teachers. People are like, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. And it took a while, but then what happened is it did start working and I was able to travel Europe and like, just, I mean, just this past week, I was telling you earlier, like I just got back from a four week trip in Europe and I could do that because I was location independent and I can work wherever I want to. And so now that I'm at this point, that's when all the naysayers are like, wow, <laughs> Maybe I could do something like that too. I'm like, yep. <laughs> well, and I think also, I just want to say this because I, I really do believe in teachers staying in the classroom and finding their happiness. Like not everyone can go quit their teaching job and go, you know, work abroad or start a their own company or whatever. Right. I think sometimes the dreaming big, like for me, when I was in the classroom for 10 years, um, like getting my national boards was actually a big dream for me. I was like pregnant at the same time. I was kind of crazy, but like it really made me reflect on my practice and was Mm -hmm. such a good exercise. And then 
I, you know, had little kind of micro dreams of like, okay, I really want to incorporate more music in my classroom. Mm. It makes me happy. It makes me feel better. Yeah. So I think, or maybe it's that you are a scrapbooker and you want to make really cool interactive bulletin boards for your classroom because that makes you happy. You know, Yeah. I think that it doesn't always have to be that you're making these huge life transitions. No. Um, you can stay in the classroom. Maybe you want to start a podcast or just pick one thing that, and I'm, when I say start a podcast, I don't necessarily mean a teaching podcast. Maybe mm-hmm. start a parenting podcast or a painting podcast or whatever. Yep. Um, but it doesn't always have to be that you have to make these huge, huge transitions. No. It's more about filling your life outside of school with the things that you really actually do make you happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And practicing that yes muscle in you, like, I just feel like so often we're exercising this no to ourselves and the, the little yeses that you say to yourself, yes, I am allowed to cut off work tonight and play a board game. Yes, I am allowed to sign up for this pottery class, spend a little bit of money on it and give myself some joy. Those little yeses add up and, and, and until you start thinking about, yes, I can follow that dream to go on this trip to this country that I've always wanted to see. I can save up and do all these things. Or, yes, I want to start a podcast or start a side gig or whatever it might be. But it really, it's about starting small because it's so much of it is teaching ourselves that, yes, you can. <laughs> Just take those small steps. Yeah. And I, I encourage teachers all the time to think about the things, the strategies you can use in your classroom that are super low prep. We have some really good sessions coming up in the summer conference about low prep, high impact activities you can do with your students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I find like if you have your students sitting in their seats in old traditional school style where they're working on something, all it's doing is creating more stuff for you to grade. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so doing things as simple as gallery walks or playing yeah. games and like those things, you're not going to end up with a huge stack of papers and it still has high impact on learning. Right. Absolutely. That reminds me of, um, when I actually got engaged, I had a feeling it was about to happen because my husband told me that we were going to go on this surprise trip over spring break. But he told me this like a week before spring break. And I had planned, this was my first year teaching. So I had planned on, of course, grading all during spring break. And then I was like, all of a sudden I was like, I'm not going to have time to do this. So I just really quickly changed my plan. And I said, I'm going to check all these papers during class and check in with kids in person. And I did that and it was so much better. It was better for the kids, it was better for me. And just forcing myself into thinking, no, I am not gonna be grading this all during spring break was what taught me how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, let's say you do have this big dream like you did. You said, think big, start small, be Mm -hmm. consistent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that um, like you can dream big, and I think dreaming big is really important, but until you actually set yourself a routine and a structure towards working towards that, it's very difficult to make progress. So, for example, for us, I started talking about this a little bit um, for moving abroad. It started with just Saturday mornings. That was our time to just sit down and talk about what our ideal would be. So, like, the first step was just, like, kind of, painting this, 
just what our ideal living situation would be. So we were, you know, and not shooting anything down. This is a really important step where there is no saying no allowed. <laughs> so yeah. you can say, I want to live on Mars and that's totally game. Like you can write that down <laughs> or you can say, I want to live abroad and not work and just like have money rain down on me. Awesome. Write it down. But the point is, is that you're letting yourself expand those boundaries that you've put on yourself um, and letting yourself kind of think about what the ideal might be. So, um, so we did that first. Um, we both knew that I love teaching, but I knew that I didn't want to be tied. Neither one of us wanted to be tied to a job nine to five every day because we wanted to be able to travel a lot. So that's when I really started thinking about teacher off duty and what it might look like. Um, so that was the first step is like, what do you want it to look like? The second step is what would it take to get there? So that's when I started planning. Okay, this is what I'll have to do with my business. These are all the things that I'm going to have to learn. Um, for Kevin, my husband, he started looking at what kind of jobs that he might be able to get also and what that might look like. So those logistics and writing it out. And there are a lot of logistics for moving abroad. So that took many Saturday mornings of just like thinking about visas, thinking about, you know, different countries that work better for this kind of lifestyle. Um, and so that first step is visualizing. Second step is thinking about logistics, but all of that is encapsulated in some kind of routine, some kind of like set time in a week or in a day that you do that. Another example of this, um, would be, I had a dream of being a travel writer. And so while I was abroad and so, but I just, I like, couldn't get myself to write. And so I just decided, all right, every morning, one hour before I do anything else, I'm going to travel right. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to get up to eat. I'm not going to get up to talk to anybody. I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to write for one hour, even if I don't feel like it. Um, yeah. and I made a lot of progress that way. I have since stopped, but <laughs> having that consistency was everything. So yeah, I would say those are the three steps to really like moving forward and unlocking doors towards what you are not sure if it's possible yet. I absolutely love that. And I think encapsulated in that is I was just having a conversation. We're going to talk about this in the fall, a little bit more about perfectionism and teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think what holds a lot of people back from taking actions on their dreams is perfectionism. Yep. You know, like that you feel like it has to be perfect or I'm not going to do it. Yep. And by taking the little steps, especially if you're going to do something that exposes you a little bit, like a blog or mm -hmm. an Instagram account where you're sharing your passion exposes you a little bit, but yeah. The little tiny steps start to get you there. You just literally have to get the ball rolling. Yeah. I mean, think about this podcast. When I started this podcast, it was not as polished as it is right now. Not that this is super polished, but I mean, when I go back and listen to this few first podcasts, I'm like, oh man, I've come a long way. <laughs> but had I never started this podcast when I did, when it wasn't perfect, there's no way I would be at this many downloads at right. this point. Right. Right. Yep. No one would have started listening because I wouldn't have ever put a podcast out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it's like, don't be, don't, you just got to start doing it and you'll figure it out. Right. As time. Goes. Right. Right. And, and I would say too, having that consistent pace in your schedule where you're checking in with yourself is also important for knowing when to pivot because um, as I've been developing, I've really kind of just been trying to construct this lifestyle, like a new lifestyle. It's like, I don't know, just thinking about what would be ideal. And that's really become just kind of like this project for the past couple of years. But I've realized, like I said before, like 
great, I'm making all, I'm doing this passive income. I don't have to work on any given day. Like I can choose when I work, where I work, but I'm really lonely. Like this is not what I expected. And I am actually in this community called Digital Nomad Girls. And every month we sit down and we do monthly goal checks and we reflect on how the month has gone. And that set time every month where I'm like, how's my life going? Like professionally, how's my life going personally? How's it going emotionally? And what, where do I need to pivot has been huge, but it's all about having that consistent time and caring enough about yourself. Like I deserve to be happy and I can do it. I just have to like make little tweaks. Somebody once said that, um, that it's kind of like making a stew (laughs) and you're like, start putting ingredients in, you taste it and you're like, "Mm, I need a little bit of something else. And that's the same thing with teaching too. Like the first step is you, you say, okay, what's working, what's not, where can I tweak in my life and my teaching? Maybe I am need to tweak how I'm grading things because I am spending hours and hours and hours on this and it's draining me from my family. It's draining and taking me away from my students. Um, but identifying that and having a set time every week or every month where you are reflecting on that and then thinking about how you want to pivot the next month is everything. Yep, absolutely. I love that. So if you were going to give teachers right now that are listening to this, one big lesson that you want them to walk away from, one <laughs> thing that you really want them to remember from this podcast, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I would say that, okay, kind of two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Step one, and this is so big, so big, is that you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. Even if you're a teacher, even if you're working hard, even if you know you care, you would do anything in the world for your students, you still deserve and should be happy. And then the second lesson and second takeaway, I guess, would just be that it, it's all about taking baby steps and letting yourself say yes um, to move forward on that because it matters. That's Perfect. I love that. Before we end, tell everyone how we can find you, social media, your courses, all the amazing work that you are doing. Yeah. So you can find my website. Um, It's teacheroffduty.com. Pretty easy. Um, And you can find all I do there, my online courses. I'm actually starting a new teacher mastermind um, that actually is kind of inspired by this, what I've been doing in my own life. That's a lot easier to move forward with your goals when you have a group that you check in with every week and you talk about them. Um, and so that new teacher mastermind is, is launching July 15th and you can find more information about that on my website. And I also have, um, a teachers pay teachers store. It's just teacher off duty. It's mostly, um, writing materials, but all about empowering students to take charge of their learning. And that's where you can find me. And then on social media, teacher off duty, it's all just teacher off duty, except Instagram. It is teacher dot off dot duty. <laughs> Didn't get that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. I just love hearing your passion and hearing your story. And I love what you said when we first started talking before we started recording is like a lot of times we equate teaching with it being so hard mm-hmm. and so draining mm-hmm. and so just tough and stressful. Yeah. And it's time for you, if you're feeling that way, to make the choice to make this job happy mm-hmm, and that you mm-hmm. love it and enjoy it again. And the path to that is what you're doing outside of the teaching hours. Absolutely. 
Yep. Thank you so much for being with us. And I'm so glad that our paths have crossed and I look forward to you and I collaborating in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. That's it this week, my friends. I can't believe that we are quickly approaching episode number 50 and E2E's second birthday. It's just been such a whirlwind and it couldn't have been so amazing without all of you. So good luck at the beginning of the year. Reach out if you need anything. And until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.